Oh, and I did a night at the Roxbury. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. The Green Rush is real. From lawmakers and investment bankers to CEOs and investors, we'll look at how people are transforming cannabis from the shadows of the black market into a cash crop that draws in cannapreneurs from Hollywood to Wall Street. Here to help you navigate the business of cannabis, please welcome Lewis Goldberg and Ann Donahoe. Brought to you by KCSA Strategic Communications. I'm Ann Donahoe along with Lewis Goldberg, and today we're going to be talking to Deborah Borchardt, who is the co-founder, CEO, and editor-in-chief of The Green Market Report, which is a new cannabis financial news site. And she also is a contributing editor um, at Forbes. Um, so welcome to the show, Deb. Deborah, Deb, Thanks which do you prefer? <laughs> Either way, I'm, I'm, I'm easy. So when was the moment in your life, I mean, you've covered financial services for, for years, right? When did you realize that the cannabis industry was not only worthy of coverage, but worthy of taking a leap of faith into? Well, I started covering it when I had heard of an, uh, an outdoor festival in Colorado and one of the beer companies, I think it was Budweiser was a sponsor. And I thought, Oh, Oh, Ooh. Okay. Mainstream getting involved. This is, this is some serious. This was probably back in 2013, 2012 in that area. And, and was this, kind of was this for Forbes that you started covering it or was it for another outlet? I was outlet? at thestreet.com. I was at thestreet.com. And that's when I really started my coverage. I got very interested in these shady pot stocks. And I felt that as a financial journalist, it was really important for me to expose these shady players for investors out there. And that really got me very interested into the area. And like most um, regular media rooms at that time thought, well, you know what? That's interesting for a story here and there, but that's it. There's no more news here. So and how I did really you con- how did you convince your editor to allow you to do this regularly as opposed to a one-off? I convinced them that I could do this regular coverage and still get all my work done. <laughs> <laughs> and I so there was your do, side gig. Um, you know, I you know I had financial uh, market coverage that I had to do, and there were several deliverables each day I had to do, and 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 honestly, the street gave me a lot of freedom. But I started doing a daily. Um, marijuana minute video you know it was called the daily hit and it would just be about a minute long right and and people loved it and so that was my coverage there i actually got hired away from them to work at a financial newsletter um and they wanted me to cover cannabis and then i ended up at forbes after that so i've, I've kind of just been able to continue covering the space for a while so forbes is such a stodgy you know historic business publication were they into it uh, the same way that the street was i mean the street's much more scrappy it's the you know the jim kramer vehicle booyah um you know forbes is is malcolm forbes and you know steve forbes who ran for president and you know as about as yeah uh, you know yeah. when you when you went there what was their take on your coverage of cannabis well it was interesting when i when i started talking to them about writing with them we talked about different beats and I was coming out of Women's Wear Daily, and I've been doing a lot of fashion and retail reporting with them. And I said, you know, I can, I can do fashion and retail with you. And they were like, oh, that's good. That's good. We don't really have anyone doing that. And they said, oh, you've written a lot about cannabis. We don't have anyone doing that. And I said, all right, well, I can keep doing that. And quite honestly, the, the retail stories have started to just 
lose interest among readers. They're just not, just like they're not interested in buying stuff at retail. They're not interested in reading about it anymore. Right. But the interest in the cannabis is humongous. And so I have a lot of readership there. So that's why I've really kind of shifted away and I do less retail reporting now and almost all cannabis. Do you see a difference um, in the way you cover pot versus the way you've covered fashion, retail, and other financial stories? That's a really great question because in the one sense, no, because I wanted to, and that's what I think has separated my cannabis reporting from other people is I, I approach it as I would approach any other company I've written about and give it the same attention to detail and the same seriousness of the subject matter. Whereas I felt like a lot of other reporters um, were maybe cub reporters. They're, they do one-offs here and there. So there was a lot of giggly marijuana puns in the headlines, <laughs> right. marijuana puns in the first the couple The standards seemed different in, in some, yeah, at some publications. There was too much giggle factor. And I just yeah. thought that was just not the way I would approach it. I saw this as serious emerging industry. And that was what I gave it in my reporting was that, you know, serious attention. And I thought that was what made the difference. Are you so, seeing um, the management teams change as well? I mean, the, the first participants, whether they were public or private, came out of the black market. Are you seeing a, a change in, in who is running these companies? There's definitely a shift to more mainstream executives coming into the industry. Absolutely. And I think that that has changed a lot. Another thing with when I was early on reporting these businesses, if someone pitched me a story, I would have to go and double check what they had told me like as, a, as a reporter. I mean, you, you kind of hope when someone pitches you something that they're telling you the truth, you would think, and it would come out that it wasn't. And so it was a lot of extra, extra work to verify that the things I was being told were the truth. What we're getting now, because we're getting more seasoned CEOs, more seasoned um, investor relations people, is now more of the stories that are coming out from these companies are a little bit more truthful in nature. Are you finding the investment community starting to shift too? With, with who, from even from a, a retail investor versus a, you know, a family office, are, are they getting more serious, which probably isn't what the right word mean? because retail investors are serious, yeah, but I think you know what I mean. Yeah. <laughs> I, I <laughs> totally know what you mean. What, what, what we're, we did start to see um, a shift right before the election. And then when Trump got elected and Sessions got made AG, we saw a lot of the investment money that was coming in go out. Now what we're seeing is a lot of interest from family offices. We might not necessarily see the money from the family office, but you're seeing a lot of money coming in from the founders and the owners of these family offices. So that they're putting their personal money to work. We're actually but, seeing the same thing. I mean, we represent a lot of public cannabis companies, and we're taking the CEOs on non-deal roadshows to hedge funds and private equity firms, and they're not able to invest their LP money. They're, they're the people who have given them money to, to manage, but the partners are writing checks and they're writing half million dollar checks. Like it's nothing because they believe in the industry. Yeah. It's, yeah, it's amazing. They want in. Um, they want in. Yeah. So uh, I think one of the things that I, I'm interested in is, is your perspective because you've been covering the financial markets for a long time. Um, has cannabis been a boon to the over-the-counter market because 
these companies are not allowed to list right now on the NASDAQ or, or the New York Stock Exchange. Has it added legitimacy to the OTC, in your opinion? I think it, it has and it hasn't because you would probably agree maybe half to 75% of those cannabis stocks on the OTC are pretty shady. They're pretty dodgy. For sure. And not our that, clients. <laughs> you know, right. And, and that definitely puts a stain on things when you have so many of these shady companies, which, of course, the OTC doesn't police. Yep. And nor do they, they don't necessarily police them unless they don't put their filings in and then all of a sudden they're gray market or they're skull and cross them. Yeah. There, there are a handful of stocks on the NICE and the NASDAQ. Um, I, I heard actually something really interesting when I was on the floor of the New York Stock Exchange just a few weeks ago that someone told me, you know, I think one of the big pushers behind rescheduling and uh, legalizing cannabis is going to come from behind the scenes of the banks, the Goldman Sachs and such, because they feel like they're missing out on all this IPO money. Wow. And I was like, really? Yeah. I mean, if you really? look, that's interesting. I hadn't heard that. And they well, think about it. Yeah, Med Relief, yeah. which listed uh, a couple months ago up in, in Canada on the Toronto Stock Exchange, raised $100 million. That's a legit mm-hmm. IPO. And it was led by Canaccord and Cowan. You know, both two legitimate, they're not bulge bracket banks, but they're legitimate banks. So, um, you know, I think, I I think you're right. I think you're spot on that the, that the, the, the investment banks and the exchanges are going to push harder than anybody else to, um, to, to change the regulatory environment. Well, and if anybody's going to listen, Congress will listen to them, right? (laughs) Yeah. Well, they could. I mean, look at the administration right now has so many Goldman Sachs people in it that, that, they very well could. The exchanges, the NASDAQ and the NYSE are not, they do not want to touch it as long as it's federally illegal. Now, they do have a few companies that have jumped in and I have asked them multiple times, what are you going to do about these companies? And so far, they, they just won't talk to me about it. They, they're, they won't go on the record. Um, they just keep saying, look at our listing requirements. And I'm like, come on. Right. <laughs> yeah. Just talk um, to me. Okay, so uh, this is a great time to take a break. And when we come back, we'll continue our conversation with Deborah. More Green Rush coming up after we roll through our sponsors. Are you disturbed by the prescription medication commercials on television and their endless list of side effects? They go on and on and you end up having to take multiple pills to counteract the problems caused by the first pill. It never ends. Have you looked into CBD as a more natural option? At Saturn Ranch, we produce all-natural CBD topicals and THC-infused edibles. Premium lab-tested hemp-derived CBD is the most important ingredient in our products. From topical bombs, salt scrubs, bath-soaking salts to tinctures and edibles, you're sure to find something to help. Family-owned and operated, we at Saturn Ranch believe in and use our products daily. Don't put anything on your body that you wouldn't put in your body. SaturnRanch.com Strainwise Consulting is the most sought-after consulting company for cannabis business applications and management contracts. We consulted on the first recreational license in the world and have had an over 95% success rate on applications submitted. The industry is growing at such an exponential rate that building a powerful and lasting cannabis business is a number one priority. Here's Strainwise's Sean Eubanks. In our first five years, we branded and supported nine medical and recreational marijuana dispensaries and approximately 160,000 square feet of sophisticated and efficient product cultivation. Strainwise Consulting has the experience and expertise to guide you through the process. 
The next generation of vaporizers has arrived. Vuber vaporizers are blazing the way with unparalleled technology for oil, concentrate, or dry flower pens. Providing unsurpassed customer service and expert craftsmanship, Vuber vaporizers use cutting-edge technology, providing a power-packed, smoother vapor with a lifetime guarantee. Experience vaporizing the way it was meant to be, the Vuber way. Banking and Bud, understanding the business of cannabis. Welcome back to The Green Rush, only on CannabisRadio.com. So we are back with Deb Borchard, um, the founder of Green Market Media and uh, columnist for Forbes. Um, and we were just talking about the, the nature of the stock exchanges and how public cannabis companies trade. Um, the most high-profile effort over the last um, six months or so was high times trying to list on the NASDAQ. Um, can you tell us about what your coverage of that was and, and what you think is happening? So here's the, here's the latest on that. So they did, as you know, kind of a backdoor reverse merger. If, if I can't go in the front door and do a normal IPO with uh, NASDAQ, I'll go buy a shell company that's listed with NASDAQ and then I'll get my stock on there and they won't notice, will they? Well, uh, yeah, they noticed, and they didn't like it. And so now what they're trying to do is kick them out. And they keep appealing. The last appeal um, that, that, well, they were supposed to stop trading and get delisted a few weeks ago. And September 12th, I believe, was the day. And it, they're still there. So I called up NASDAQ, and I said, so what gives? Um, they were supposed to be delisted. They're still trading. They appealed, obviously. What's the status of the appeal? And they wouldn't comment. So I know they're trying to get rid of them. They're saying, oh, well, they don't have 300 shareholders, and that's in our listing requirements. You knew that they were going to find something in those listing requirements right. to, to kick them out. And that's where they're at right now is they're trying to get rid of them. So do you think that not gonna, somebody's going to figure it out? I mean, whether it be another company that doesn't touch the plant is going to be able to figure out how to to backdoor their way or even come in the front door to to one of these exchanges? Well, the, the, I'm, the same thing's happening over at the New York Stock Exchange. Um, they have a company and – I spoke to them about it and said the same thing. Like you have your REIT that, you know, in innovative industrial properties, IIPR, and you're letting them in. What about these other companies? And they're doing the same thing as NASDAQ. They just don't want to touch any, any, anything along those lines. And yet they have certain policies and procedures that they go through where the company gets to keep appealing those decisions. So it gets dragged out for a really long time. So is there anybody in this industry that you follow um, that you think is really smart that people should be paying attention to, whether they be analysts, uh, they, they're market participants or CEOs? Other uh, reporters. Other, yeah, other reporters. Anybody who you say, they get it. You know, um, it's funny. Um, there's, a, there's a few people that I do follow. I do Proxene, um, the 420 Investor. Mm -hmm. uh, Alan does some really great analytical work on some of the companies. He's a little bearish, um, but I think when you look at some of the work he does, some of these items, he really digs deep and does a lot of diving down to get some really great information. 
I think he does some of the best analytical work out there. And uh, he's definitely someone I follow. I, I like to follow Tom Angle of Marijuana Moment. Tom has his, his finger on the pulse of the politics. Mm-hmm. Now, my website, Green Market Report, doesn't really get into politics. We strictly stay with financial. But I do like to see what Tom says because he seems to really have his finger on the pulse of D.C., and I think that's also super important to just know what's going on there. So I would say those two guys I follow quite a bit. Um, so talk yeah. about your talk about your website because and and talk about it both from like so that the listeners can understand what what it is and what the value they'd get out of it, and then also talk about the the entrepreneurial side of it because you have taken a tremendous leap of faith in starting a company. Um, in, you know, in the cannabis industry. So I'd love to hear both sides of that. Sure. So as I was doing my work and reporting, I, one of the things that I felt was, was an opportunity in a gaping hole was financial news coverage for cannabis. What I felt that was out there was there were some sites out there like MJ Biz Daily, and I'm not throwing anyone under the bus, but I'm just showing that, that there, I felt like there were some opportunities here because I looked at their stuff and I was like, wow, they're very comprehensive. There's almost every time something happens, they cover it. But it wasn't a very deep coverage. It was maybe 300 words. They were in and out. So I didn't get a lot out of it. And then I found other sites. Like, oh, here's some business news. But, oh, they're making me sign up for stock tips. Or, oh, now they they want money because they want more money in their investment fund. You know, I felt like they wanted something. There was an angle. They wanted me to buy their stock tips or whatever. So I felt that there just wasn't a cannabis news. Wait, website. stock tips, stock tips for the shady companies that, that pot stocks, yeah, 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 pot yeah. stocks that you that 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 most people think are questionable. Right, right. So I I felt like there was an opportunity to create a news website that was, as I call it, the CNBC of cannabis. So it's the financial news. It's giving it serious coverage. And we're not trying to sell you stock tips and we're not trying to get you to put money in our investment fund. And we kind of want to be that, that Switzerland and the neutral zone of all these private equity people so that um, we're not just pushing, you know, a lot of, some of these news sites are just owned by private equity people that are just using the news site to promote the companies they've invested in. And that's what prompted me to start the website. So as far as the entrepreneurship of it, um, it's it's interesting because you're, it, I, I'm sure a lot of entrepreneurs can relate to this. And and trust me, this is out of my comfort zone. I'm one of those people that always like to just, you know, clock in, clock out, get my check and go home. So doing this is much out of my comfort zone. Having said that, it was super exciting and inspiring to plan it, to get it ready, to build it. Very exciting when it was launched, when you push that button and it's live and you're like, oh my God, this is great. <laughs> And then has it bro- has it broken yet? Launch. Has no, the site broken? No. Oh, you're lucky. No. <laughs> <laughs> we have a great web designer. Right? We have a great IT guy, so we we were very smart to do that. And you know, and then we followed it up. We had a viral study that was amazing and exciting. We were written up in multiple different countries as well as America, so that was super exciting. And then you kind of have days where it's just overwhelming where you think, what have I taken on? This is so much harder and so much more work than that. And, and that's been tough because, you know, I'm, I'm building a business, but at the same time, I still have to make a living. 
And lucky for me, I did save a lot of money over the years. So I've been living off of some savings, but I'm also like, was that from investing in those shady pot stocks? (laughs) That was from working on wall street for probably close to 15 to 20 years. So when you work on wall street, you don't get a lot of job satisfaction, but you do get a a pretty fat bank account. (laughs) Um, So so I, and and that's another thing that I bring to my reporting is I have a wall street background. So I approach it with, a Wall Street point of view. Well, I also read somewhere um, that you have an acting background too. Uh, <laughs> I, do, I do. I heard a rumor that you are on uh, As the World Turns and SNL. Can you confirm or deny? I can confirm that. I, I did three, <laughs> three Saturday Night Live episodes as an extra. Um, I did. I did it back in the days of um, Andy Samberg. And um, and Chris Farley. So that was the Dick and in the Box I years. Did, um, yeah, yeah. You know, I, I did one of those scenes. I did one of those um, <laughs> uh, night at the and I, oh, and I did a night at the Roxbury with Chris Kattan and and um. Oh my God! Oh my God! Well, did, so, uh, gonna, so did they hump your leg? Yeah. They they came up bouncing around. We were the girls at the bar, and they came up bouncing around us, and we went ugh ugh, and we like push them away and like oh make them go away because we won't dance with them. And, and Nick, you know, we we'll, have to find we'll the link to this to put into the show notes. <laughs> <laughs> we definitely need the link. There's got to be a YouTube link to this somewhere so that we can put it in the show notes. Yeah, and I, I did, and that was also the one that night at the Roxbury was an episode with Alec Baldwin, and Alec Baldwin did one of those cold opens where he did a musical number where he walks through the whole set and the whole floor at Thirty Rock, and he he was just amazing to watch in person, and he's an amazing talent. So it, it was a great experience. I I thoroughly loved each time I was there. Okay, let's take a break. When we come back, more with Deb. More Green Rush coming up after we roll through our sponsors. Cannabis concentrates have been around for hundreds of centuries. In 19th century America, extracts mixed with other herbs were sold as a miracle cure. Now, Apex Supercritical has elevated the science of extraction into the 21st century. Apex Supercritical is the leader in CO2 extraction, which is the cleanest, safest, and purest way to extract plant oils. ROI in as little as three weeks. Our cost-effective systems are fully automated with an industry-leading three-year warranty. And if we don't have your system in stock, we can build one in as little as four weeks. Bringing CO2 extraction to the masses. Learn more at apeksupercritical.com. Four-week build excludes high production systems. Running a successful cannabis business isn't easy. Successful businesses need to have strong people to achieve long-term results. At Live Advisors, we believe people are the heart of business, and training people can help you infinitely grow your business. Learn more about our offerings at liveadvisors.com. Hi, I'm Montel Williams. Most of you know me as a talk show host, but I'm also an author, actor, single father of four, avid snowboarder, and I'm also a medical marijuana patient. Living with multiple sclerosis, I'm in pain every day. Medical marijuana is my last resort, and it helps me when all other drugs have failed. If you'd like more information about medical marijuana, you can contact the Marijuana Policy Project at mpp.org or call 1-877-JOIN-MPP. Banking and Bud, understanding the business of cannabis. Welcome back to The Green Rush, only on CannabisRadio.com. All right, thanks for coming back. Deb is now going to talk to us about something completely different. So 
um, we've talked in the past about getting samples in the mail. Um, and historically, or not historically, you're not supposed to get medicated samples in the mail. Correct. Do you actually get medicated samples? And, um, and how do you deal yes. with that? <laughs> <laughs> yes, people do send me stuff. Um, you know, it's, it's funny. It just, it's, it's like it just sits on my desk. and It's just kind of funny. It's just kind of sitting there on my desk and it's like, whatever. I, I don't even think that much about it. Um, like I said, I do, um, I did a lot of retail reporting, so I would often get shoes in the mail and things like that. So I also have, you know, multiple pairs of shoes and multiple pairs uh, or, or bags. And so I, it's just kind of, to me, it's, as a reporter, it's just like, oh, okay, well, here's some other vendor's products. Yeah, but you work yeah. out of your home now, right? And yeah, you have yeah. kids. So if they walk in and see um, see the samples, are they asking to try? What are they, how do they react to seeing, you know, cannabis plainly displayed in your house? Yeah, you know, um, I have an 18-year-old son, and you would think that he would be very interested in it or that I would have to watch to see if any disappeared. And um, he's shown very little interest in it, actually. So, I mean, we've obviously we talked about it, he knows what mom does. And <laughs> I kind of just said, well, you know, when I covered robotics for this newsletter, I didn't go out in the garage and build a robot. And, you know, when I've covered, you know, fashion design, I didn't go out and try to start my own fashion company. You know, it's, it's me, it's, it's another subject to cover. And that's kind of how he's seen it is, oh, it's just another thing that mom's writing about now. Like, all right, whatever. <laughs> it's it's so, not been, you know, we, we've talked about it, if anything, a lot from the medical aspect and the kids that it's helped medically. Um, I have told him, you know, the one study that is negative about marijuana is that it is not good for developing brain. And I said, you know, if you want to do this, you need to wait until you're 21 and don't even touch it until then. Cause it's just not good for your brain. And in the inter, and, and once he hits him, 21, you're going to get him just bejizzled. I don't, I, you know what? I don't, mm, I don't know about that. Maybe I'll have a drink <laughs> with him, but I don't know if I, yeah, I don't think I'm that parent. <laughs> So, Deb, we do a segment here called Puff Puff Pass, um, and here we ask guests to tell us, usually it's two things they love about the industry and one thing they hate, um, but because you're a reporter, we're going to change it up a bit and ask you to talk about the two things you love covering in the industry and the one thing you hate covering in this industry. Oh, um, I, I love covering the small business stories. I mean, to me, you know, that's the backbone of our economy. And I just love a, a good entrepreneurial story of someone that started a business, they're growing it. I, I just, I, to me, I find those stories very inspiring. So I love who, those. Can, who, can you give one, just, I know I'm cutting in, but a quick example of somebody who you think is like really inspirational. Um, oh, uh, you know, I, I, I wouldn't say any one particular person, but I think like the Open Vape Company, they're doing over a hundred million in sales. Wow. And this is a company that was basically, yeah, was basically is a private company still. And it was basically started with three founders and they're still there working at the company. And I just find that amazing that this company has grown to be this behemoth. To me, that's, that's an inspiring story. You know, I'm also, um, 
inspired by some of the Humboldt County farms and what they're doing and how they're, you know, hanging tough with each other. I find those stories really inspiring too. And as far as what I don't like to cover, um, shady stocks. Yeah. You know, I, I, whenever I, I think it's interesting when you have to talk negatively about a company, but you're, you're basically putting up the information that they've made public and you're saying, okay, this company doesn't make any money. They're valued at $20 million. The wife is the president, the husband's the vice president. They've given each other stock, blah, blah, blah. And then they come after you and get mad at you and attack you. And, and, and that's the unfortunate part of this business is, is when you cover that, that some of these people get very, very angry with you. And you're going, you know, I'm not telling anything that isn't the truth. I'm not making something up. And it's not personal. From your own filings. Yeah. Most of this is your own filings. You made this public. Why are you shooting the messenger? So that's been the only negative thing about this industry is people, people can be very passionate (laughs) and especially the advocates and um, which is kind of interesting, but the advocates sometimes even if you say something negative about a company that's kind of shady, they'll get crazy about it and get really angry with you. Like you're talking down about marijuana and it's like, no, no. Is there for investors, for any of the, Deb, for any of the investors that are listening in, is there something specific that you can tell them to look at either in the way that the company is communicating or in their filings? That is a clear red flag. You know, I have lots of people that ask me all the time, which stocks should I buy? And I never, I never say any individual stocks, but is there something that people should be clearly on the lookout so that they don't get screwed? Yeah. So one, my first thing I do is when I look at, a lot of people get fooled by looking at market cap. What you have to do is to me is look at revenues, see if there's any money coming in. You'd be surprised how some of these companies have very high valuations in the millions and millions of dollars and they have no money coming in. Just none, no money coming in. <laughs> and you're, to me, that's, that's what you have to look at. Is there any revenue? Are there any sales? Is, is, is there any profit? Is there any chance of a profit coming up? You know, that's the thing. You may be an emerging biotech company where you have a great potential drug, but is, is there any money coming in? And, and that's to me is, is always the red flag when there is no money coming in, but it's got a super high valuation. And then you start to look at some of the transactions between people that are, you know, paying bills with, giving people stock like oh we paid our lawyer with 20,000 shares of stock like, they try oh, and pay okay, us that way money for a lawyer yeah you yeah. don't have money for a lawyer mm, okay well that's not that's not good no we don't it's funny we hate we a lot of these companies will come to us and say hey you know we're going to pay you x amount of money and we get down to the contract and like it's all in stock i'm like no we're not going to work for you if you can't pay us in cash um because i can't spend your stock then and neither can you honestly so yeah. Or them themselves, their brother, their cousin, they're all consultants for the company and they're all getting paid money. And then every time they issue more stock, the, there's another bonus for the consultant. Like, okay. Yep. That's, that's not good. So I think that wraps it up. Um, thank you so much, Deborah. Um, again, Deborah Borchardt is from the Green Market and can be found tweeting at Wall and Board. That's at W A L L. I'm sorry. 
while and broad yeah <laughs> as it sounds while and broad um and at the at green market rpt did i get that one right Deb? yeah okay good um Thank so special so thanks for uh for joining us and thanks to nick opich for helping us produce this podcast um if you want to chat with us you can find us on instagram and twitter with the handle at green rush Coms, as well as at uh green rush at kcsa.com if you want to drop us an email The opinions expressed on this CannabisRadio.com program are those of the guests and hosts and do not necessarily reflect those of the staff and management of CannabisRadio.com. Any rebroadcast or redistribution without proper consent of CannabisRadio.com is prohibited.